Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. And today we start our Christmas series and we're going to be reading Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through to 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth in a town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was seen to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hills of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb, the baby leapt rather in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Today, as Ray mentioned a moment ago, we're commencing our Christmas series, which is titled Christmas Presents. And in part one today, we're talking about the gift of expectation. I love how the dad in the video has found a creative way to get his kids and his entire family to 
you know, to seek Jesus, to have an expectation at Christmas time. And he's done it by um, getting them to seek Jesus in a very literal way. Uh, of course, it involved him kidnapping baby Jesus, which is not ideal. But the end result is that the entire family sit down and discuss why Jesus is so important at Christmas time. Together, as a family, they seek Jesus. You know, what I've learned in my life is that expectation is a very powerful thing. And I think our expectation or lack thereof can set the atmosphere for our entire lives and certainly for the Christmas season. I remember as a kid at Christmas time, always having a sense of expectation around this time of year when it came to Christmas presents. You start thinking about Christmas presents when you're young, around about August, and you start dreaming about all the latest gadgets and toys that are available. Maybe it's a bike or a skateboard or a doll. And then the advertisements start coming on TV. You know those like cartoon networks and stuff that pretend they're just cartoons for kids, but then they start bombarding them with advertisements around Christmas time. And as I started to watch all those ads, I started to finalise my Christmas list. And you start to get all excited about what present your parents or Santa Claus will give you this year. Now, as a kid, I always noticed that Santa's presents were always the coolest and most expensive ones. And as a parent, I must admit, I find that very frustrating. Um, Santa is indeed very generous. But I can vividly remember Christmas mornings at our house. And we'd gather around the tree, and this is the moment that we've all been waiting for. And I remember the feelings and emotions, either joy or disappointment, depending on what was revealed when you took off the wrapping. I remember one year my mum told me that for Christmas she'd got me a new jumper. And I've got to say, that made me incredibly anxious. (laughs) I have a couple of photos to help reveal why I felt such a level of anxiety. I think the first one's going to come up on the screen. We were always put in matching outfits as kids. And it was always, this is the kind of horror that we were, you know, put through at Christmas time in our childhood. And if the second photo comes up, if torturing two kids isn't enough, make it three. Why didn't the authorities step in, you ask? That's a good question. Where are they when you need them? But I remember that was um, very difficult. I think you're probably looking at me now, very impressed with my resilience, thinking that you're a pretty well-adjusted guy, considering you've come through matching outfits and bowl haircuts and and I did, other than, you know, the occasional twitch and all that sort of stuff. But I remember the year when mum said, I'm getting you a new jumper. I was very nervous, and now you can see why. Please take that photo down. But I had hope that maybe this time it would have been different. But I must admit I had low expectations. So it came to the moment, Christmas morning, I was handed the gift. And you know how kids get the gift and they start squeezing it to try and work out what it was? Well, I knew straight away as I picked up this present that it was the jumper that had been promised. And so I opened it up a bit nervous, and I opened up the wrapping, and I looked in, and the first thing I noticed is that it wasn't wool. I thought, this has got off to a cracking start. This is great. It's not wool. Tick the box. That's really fantastic. And then I started to unfold it a little bit more, and I noticed there was a hood on it. I thought, we are unfolding a a literal Christmas miracle here. And so I unfolded. I thought, it's a hood. That's a good news. And I unfolded a little bit more, and the word Jordan came across the front. And it was Michael Jordan doing a slam dunk. And I thought, this is incredible. This is like the greatest moment of my life. This is such an incredible relief. The gift exceeded my expectations. And I think I wore that jumper uh, nearly every day until it wore out. And let me tell you the very best bit about that gift... My brother did not get an identical one. (laughs) Hallelujah! You know, what an answer to prayer. It was a wonderful Christmas, and uh, I really appreciated that present that particular year. Maybe you can remember a sense of expectation at Christmas time when you were a kid. 
As kids, many of us had great expectation at this time of year. But as adults, we seem to just kind of grow out of expectation. This was abundantly clear this week when I tried to Google quotes around expectation. And what I found is that most of the quotes around expectation are actually negative rather than positive. Listen to what Bill Waterson says. He says, I find my life is a lot easier the lower I keep my expectations. Alexander Pope was not much better. He said, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he will never be disappointed. I don't think that's the attitude we should have as Christians at Christmas time, but I think the sad reality is that it often becomes the posture that we have this time of year. We kind of lose our childlike faith. And I don't know why that is, but maybe it's the busyness of the year, the deadlines and the parties and the shopping and the breakups and the events and the family gatherings where you put in a small room with that relative and we all have that relative where you put in the room with them and it's difficult. But perhaps it's maybe even worse than that. Maybe we've just lost a sense of awe, thinking we've heard this Christmas story before. We go into a pre-Christmas coma. We're not that excited and we're not that expectant. Instead, we just want to get through this so that we can enjoy holidays. Maybe we're busy running around getting Christmas presents, TS, but we forget about Christmas presents, CE, the presence of Jesus in this important time of the year, forgetting that he is actually the reason for the season. Well, the aim of this message is to snap you out of a pre-Christmas coma and shift you into a pre-Christmas expectation as each of us here at Follow seek Jesus afresh in this season. And I wonder this morning how our expectation could change our experience this Christmas time. Today we're going to go back on a journey, back to the very first Christmas time in the very first century, to the original Christmas story where we consider the expectation that we saw in that story and how it should affect our expectation 2,000 years later in the 21st century. As we look back to the first Christmas, it doesn't take long to see that it's a story full of people who were filled with expectation. We had these wise men who followed the star to find Jesus. We had the shepherds who heard the good news from the angels and rushed off to see the Saviour born in Bethlehem. We saw the anticipation of the general public and the relatives of Mary. There was a buzz. There was an excitement. There was an expectation. And in today's passage, we see it in Jesus' mother, Mary. Now, in fairness, it was... Firstly, Israel's expectation. Mary was part of national Israel and there was a national expectation from God's word that a Messiah was coming. But at first, I think that it was all too much for Mary to take in. It was too much for her to see herself as a central character in God's big picture of salvation. I want you to picture this young girl for a moment. Many scholars say that she was around 15 years of age. Now, I don't currently have a 15-year-old daughter. I have a 17-year-old daughter. And I have a 13-year-old daughter. And so smack bang in the middle, many scholars believe that Mary was right in the middle of my two daughters, who are both still incredibly young. And one day, this young girl, she's minding her own business in a place called Nazareth, a place that was called a backward town that people said nothing good could possibly come from. And she's minding her own business when an angel appears to her. Now, Mary was a virgin, but she was pledged to be married to a man called Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. And the angel appeared to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord 
is with you. Now, if an angel appeared to me, they're the kind of words I'd want to hear. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. But Mary, at first, was actually freaked out by this announcement. It says that she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel, sensing her fear, reassured her and said, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. Now, what does that mean? Well, in this particular instance, it meant that she would conceive and give birth to a son. Now, several couples this year at Follow have either fallen pregnant or had a child. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know that it comes with a great deal of expectancy, but also a great deal of intrigue. Will it be a boy or a girl? By the fourth time around, that was very intriguing for us. I was filled with expectation. What colour hair or eyes will this child have? Will they be big? Maybe not that big. Big? Will they be little? Will they look like mum or will they look like dad? What will this child be like in the future? What sort of personality? What unique gifts and passions will they have? Will they be a good person or not such a good person? What is the future for this child? And I imagine that most of us who've been in that situation haven't had an angelic visitation to let us know of all the ins and outs. But for Mary, this young girl, that first Christmas time, the angel revealed to her some incredible news. We know that all babies are special. But this child would be extraordinary. If we pick it up in verse 32, the angel says, He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So the Holy One to be born, he will be called the Son of God. Now eventually, I think Mary would have realised the gravity of this announcement. She would have realized that what the angel was saying to her was that her son would be the fulfillment of all the promises made to God's people all the way through the Old Testament. Her son was to be the Messiah that they had been eagerly awaiting for centuries for, the great leader, the deliverer, the answer to the promise. Now, I've got to say that Kim and I are very proud of our kids. I went to assembly at Lenny's school last week and he was awarded one of the stars of the week. And I thought to myself, like father, like son. <laughs> Humility is not a great strength. Taylor has been appointed the year 12 vice captain for next year at school. Adele has just got engaged and has got a job as a carer in a primary school. And Annika has produced a beautiful portfolio of art this year. I've got to say we're very proud of our kids, both their character and also their achievements. But for Mary, this is kind of next level. Mary's been told that her son is going to be the greatest human being to ever walk on earth. And he'll be the fulfillment of all the promises and all the future hope of God's people. This would be a lot for a young girl to take in. A sudden surprise, a momentous announcement, generating a great expectation in her heart. We often refer to this season as Advent. And we have our Advent calendars, don't we? And we go and we open the little door and inside there is chocolates, which we quickly eat for breakfast, which is a great start to the day. But perhaps we've never considered what Advent actually means. Advent means arrival. Arrival. In the arrival of Jesus, we see the giving of a great gift. In fact, the angel in chapter 2 describes Jesus as good news of great joy for all people. Good news, great joy for all people. 
At the announcement, Mary is filled with great expectation about the promises of God and the arrival of her son, but she hasn't yet seen it come to pass. You see, Mary finds herself in the waiting room between the promise and the arrival. Now, if you've spent any time in a waiting room, you'll know that they're not much fun. Not much fun being in a waiting room. Our son Lenny, most of you would know, has type 1 diabetes, so we spend quite a bit of time at the Monash Children's Hospital. And we've also had a few recent trips to the emergency department. And in that department, there are multiple waiting rooms. And so you go to the first waiting room, and that's kind of outside the real waiting room, and then you've got to wait there. And, uh, you know, a couple of hours later, as you progress up the queue, um, you go into the next waiting room, which is the real waiting room. And then you spend a lot more hours there. And then eventually, as you progress through that, they take you into kind of like a temporary suite where you wait for the doctor to come. And then when the doctor comes, they eventually shift you onto a ward. It's not much fun. It's a long process. And it feels like it goes on and on and on, often until the early hours of the morning. And I've got to say, there's some seasons in life that feel a little bit like that. They feel like we're in the waiting room, awaiting the promises of God. Well, for Mary, in this story, her waiting room was the next nine months as she awaited the birth and the arrival of her son. But I think it's worth bearing in mind that she'd actually been in this waiting room for her entire life, as had her descendants, who had waited for generations for this Messiah to come. At Christmas time, you and I have the privilege of being here, gathered together to worship Jesus and to remind ourselves and to celebrate that that Messiah that they were waiting for has come. It's an awesome thing. We have the benefit of hindsight. We have the knowledge of history. We've been given God's word to look back upon the story. We can read of Jesus' birth, but not only his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, as well as his promises that he has made for the future. We may not be in the same waiting room as Mary, but we find ourselves in the next waiting room. We live between the first advent and the second advent, the arrival of Christ as a baby in Bethlehem, and the future arrival of Christ as a returning king, who's promised to come back for his people and fully establish his kingdom. We are in the waiting room. So what we see in the expectation of our children at Christmas time, when it comes to presents under the trees, that we kind of dismiss as just, you know, kids being kids, is really what Jesus calls childlike faith. And I think that kind of expectation should really remind us that we should have an even greater expectation as we seek not the presence under the tree, but the presence of Jesus with us at Christmas time and every day of our lives. This is where we can be challenged today to snack, sort of snap out of a slumber at Christmas time when it comes to the expectation of our lives and particularly in this Christmas season. When it comes to unwrapping the gift of Jesus' presence afresh, we don't just apathetically recount the story again. We remember that the central character of the story promises that he is now with us in the midst of this celebration, but also that he's coming back for his people. The Christmas celebration is, of course, remembering Jesus' birth, but it's never divorced from the promise of his return because for us at Christmas time, that's the full gospel package. And so we can unwrap the entire story. So when it comes to Christmas, we can unwrap it all today. We can pull it all off at once. And we can remember the story. And Rowan's wrapped this really well this morning. This could take a while. But you kind of get the picture, right? That'll do. <laughs> we can unwrap the whole story, can't we? All at once. And it reminds us that the gift given to Mary found its central expression of love at the cross. 
And that Jesus, the main character in this story, has changed our lives in a radical way and can change the lives of others this Christmas time as we eagerly await his return. So the question I want to ask this morning is this. How do we live our lives in the waiting room? I think Mary's response in the moments and the days after the angel's announcement is a great example for us when it comes to expectation in our own lives between the first and the second advent. And there's three things that I noticed from this text that I think can be helpful for us today. And the first one is this, that while Mary was in the waiting room, she gave herself to God. After hearing the angel's announcement and absorbing the magnitude of it, listen to how this young godly girl responds. Verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I think that's a wonderful response, a response that shows maturity well beyond her years. This announcement would have been an absolute shock for Mary. She could not possibly have been prepared for a moment like that. There were lots of questions to be answered and lots of obstacles to overcome. Why me? How is it possible? How will I cope? What will people think of me? What does the future hold? These are all questions that are likely to have entered Mary's mind. But instead of freaking out, instead of running away, instead of apathetically going through the motions of religion, she submitted herself to God's service, to God's promise, and to God's will for her life. She understood that the primary posture of a follower of God is one of service. And as another year winds to a close, and we come a year closer to Christ's return, I think it's a good opportunity for all of us to do some self-reflection. What are the ways that you have had an opportunity to serve God this year? How has God used us as a church to impact this community? And what does 2019 hold individually and corporately as we submit ourselves to God's service, to his promise, and to his will for our lives? At Christmas time, we often think of what gift we will receive, but the true meaning of Christmas is to celebrate the gift that's already been given. God is the divine gift giver. As we immerse ourselves back in that very first Christmas story, it reminds us not just of what occurred in history, but it reminds us of the very character of God. He's a God who graciously gives gifts. And at Christmas time, we remember the greatest gift ever given, the gift of Jesus, the Messiah, the Saviour. King, Lord, and friend. And then from that, as we ponder that afresh, we can also ponder in our own lives how we can then give the gift of the gospel to other people in our lives this year. And so how can you give yourselves to others at Christmas time? And in the year to come, do you need to reprioritize your life? And if you did, what impact could that have in your workplace, in your friendship circle, in your church ministry? or in our community. While Mary waited in the waiting room with great expectancy, she gave herself to God. Secondly, she gave herself a history lesson. It's a good thing to do. Mary reminded herself of what God had done in the past and that he had been faithful to everything that he had promised. This was significant because Mary was in the waiting room awaiting the things that she'd been promised, but she couldn't yet touch them. She couldn't see them. She couldn't feel them. She couldn't experience them. But it was God's faithfulness in the past that fueled her with a great expectancy and confidence in his promises for the future. In verse 50, we see her song. And she says, from generation to generation, 
She reminds herself of God's faithfulness. She says, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but He's sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. As we wait in the waiting room, we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness right throughout history, but also his faithfulness within our own lives. Mary had her kind of history to draw on, and we have our history to draw on, but we're further down the track now. Her history didn't include the first advent. The history we draw on is even richer and fuller than the history Mary drew on. Therefore, our faith should be even greater and richer in light of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We're reminded from God's word that our God is so incredibly faithful. And it gives us great hope for the promises he's given us in the future. Romans chapter 8, we looked at this recently, but he says these words, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What a wonderful promise. The Christian faith is not a blind faith. It's not an unfounded faith. It's a faith that's been proved faithful throughout history and it gives us great confidence for our future. And so here's some more reflective questions this morning. How has God blessed you this year? I know for Aaron and Aaron Bell, he's blessed them very well in the last 24 hours or so when they just had another baby. A little daughter, isn't that exciting? A little daughter, her name is Hanali, which is an African name. Hanali, I think I'm saying that right. Hanali Maybell. So it's a wonderful name, born for all the ladies, £7.01, born Friday night at 11.20pm. And so we celebrate as a community how God has blessed the Bell family this year. But what about you? How has God blessed you this year? What are the blessings you can count in your life, the little things and the big things that God has done this year? What answers to prayer have you seen in your life personally? How has God's faithfulness been received in our church community this year? How have you experienced the grace, the compassion, and the kindness of God? In what areas have you seen his generosity and his power in your life? This morning, I want to encourage you, give yourself a 12-month history lesson. Or if it's been an incredibly difficult year, look over the course of your life and remind yourself of God's goodness towards you, reflecting on the truth. You can't even take your next breath without him. He's so gracious and he's so kind. And thank you for taking that breath. That's wonderful. Smart, Ellie. But I love you. Mary gave herself... A history lesson. And it's a good thing for us to do as well. Finally, Mary praised God before the promise came to pass. Let me say that again. Mary praised God before the promise came to pass. While we're in the waiting room, we don't sit around twiddling our thumbs or crossing our fingers. The waiting room is a time of great expectation. And it's also a time of proactive patience. Proactive patience as we eagerly await the promises of God. We praise God for what he's done in the past. We rejoice of what he's doing in the present and we look forward to what he's promised for the future. Listen to what Elizabeth said to Mary in verse 45. She said, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary responds in her song with praise even before the promise came to pass. Listen to what she says. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices 
in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I love this, because he says the holy one has done great things for me. He hasn't even done them yet. And I love that, because she is praising him anyway, like he has. Because she believes when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Because he is faithful to the promises he makes to his people 100%. Church, we praise. Today we have an opportunity to praise in every part of our lives while we proactively and, uh, and patiently wait for the promises of God. We have an opportunity to do this every day through prayer, through singing, through gratitude, through songs of praise and worship, through meditation, through our words, through our thoughts, through our actions, through our lives. I love what 1 Thessalonians said, and we kind of sang about this this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always. Not just in the good times. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If nothing else, church, we should be the most expectant people on earth, filled with great expectation. As Titus says, we can look forward to the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead, together today we can look forward to a future where he'll wipe away every tear, where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more boredom, no more death, where God himself will dwell with us, where he says, I will make all things new. Now, if that doesn't snap you out of a pre-Christmas coma, I don't know what's going to. And so if you're joyful about that today, you should tell your faces, because you don't look joyful enough. It's an incredible time of year. We celebrate the Saviour that's been given, that he was born, that he lived, he died, but he's coming back for his people. That's an incredible thing to remember at Christmas time. This is why it's so important at Christmas time to sing out praises as we reflect on the gift of Jesus and remind ourselves that God is faithful. So let your heart be gripped afresh this morning by the gift of expectation. We are not a ho-hum group of people. We're not people who should be going through the motions. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. He is dwelling in us. We are world changers. We have a hope that can never be shaken. We are sons and daughters of the King. And so live accordingly. Live accordingly this Christmas. Live knowing who you are in Christ. Live remembering what God has done when he gave his one and only son for you and for me. It's an incredible thing. Mary praised God before the promise came to pass. I want to encourage you this Christmas time to exercise the gift of expectation as you sit around your family dinners, as you have your end of year celebrations, as you take time to quietly reflect on Christ, I pray that your expectation would be followed by opportunity to live and share the gospel with people in your life as we remember why Jesus was indeed the greatest gift ever given. I pray that we would seek Jesus this Christmas time with great expectation as we reflect on the first advent and we patiently await the second advent with great expectation, may we give ourselves afresh to God. May we give ourselves a history lesson reminding ourselves that God is faithful. 
And may we praise God as we expectantly wait, proactively wait on his promises to us. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.